The Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. All right, BizzleCast listeners, welcome to uh, the second episode of the Firefly series, uh, The Train Job, Season 1, Episode 2. Maddie G, Matt. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. And uh, welcome to Episode 2. This was, interestingly enough, the first episode that ever aired on Fox. Basically, Joss Whedon came up with the pilot, the original pilot, the two-parter Serenity, which hopefully you've already listened to the commentary for. If not, oh, yeah. you probably should go back and watch that because mm-hmm. that was what he envisioned the pilot as. Fox didn't like it. We'll get into why as we get into the episode. They ordered something new, and this is what they came up with is uh, the train job. Um, you can tell immediately the setting is different unlike in serenity where it starts with a flashback to the war we get this kind of for one we have a belly dancer in the opening scene very middle Uh, eastern there's obviously they've kind of amped up the sex or something with wearing little like rave lights or whatever very clearly i think somebody at fox told joss whedon to amp up the sexiness of the the show like right off the bat so we have a half chick and they're playing Chinese checkers. One of the um, least strategic games on the planet. Which is, uh, yeah, I've never really gotten into Chinese checkers. I played <laughs> it probably a half dozen times as a kid. And I was like, this is not as fun as regular yeah. checkers. Yeah. Um, which just, is just as someone who's enough. getting back into strategic board gaming, so many of the games that we grew up with from checkers to Chinese checkers to even chess and risk and monopoly are actually pretty, uh, uh, questionable games. So this scene is meant to set up the entire Brown Coat Rebellion, which we got in the the first the, or the what was supposed to be the pilot, and in a gripping opening scene of the end of their rebellion in Serenity Valley, right, man? And so they're kind of revisiting it here. They are, but instead of showing it and showing everything that uh, Mal lost, which is what that whole preview, that whole intro to Serenity is about. This is just a guy talking about it, and clearly he's mad, um, but it doesn't carry the same emotional weight as watching his kind of idealism die in front of you, which is what happens at the beginning of uh, Serenity. This is a fun scene. This is not one of the best episodes of the show. This is probably actually not... This might be one of, it's not my least favorite, but of all the episodes I've gone back to watch over and over again, the train job is easily one of the maybe two or three that I've very rarely felt the urge to watch again. Bottom Um, three, I would say, of the 14. uh, Yeah, I would say so. Um, And I think some of the reasons why is because as we get into this episode, we're going to see that this clearly was something that Fox told them to make. And they do it, and they do a good job of it, but it doesn't quite seem like their heart was in it the way it was in Serenity. Um, what this scene Serenity does meaning, have, I'm sorry, what Serenity, show, Serenity meaning the pilot episode. The pilot. Yeah. The pilot, excuse me. Yeah. I, 
that is a problem every time we talk about it. Yes. But one of the things I will say this episode does really well and that I think Joss Whedon does better than maybe any other anybody else ever. Nobody does drunken bar fights nope. the way Joss Whedon does drunken bar fights. There are a few of them in this show and they are all just spectacular. <laughs> Best of luck though. <laughs> yeah, and of course Jane does end up fighting. Um, like like in the movie. Yeah. Do exactly. you know that girl? Like I really that. don't. Through through the hologram, window. right? So the, <laughs> they uh, Serenity does what? Um, I'm sorry, Serenity. Firefly does what Star Wars does, which is just utilize familiar technology when it's convenient for either a plot purpose or just a gag purpose. You know what I mean? There's no real sense to it. Right. Exactly. Um. <laughs> Right, no, it's... Uh, Here comes Jane. <laughs> if anything, it actually reminds me of... Yeah, with the bench and he's... I do think you yeah, can tell the way the episodes are, oh. are shot, though, man. <laughs> yeah. I do think you can tell the order the episodes are shot. I, I do think the fight choreography and the effects do get better as the show goes on. May, maybe that's just pers- a, a, a oh, perception yeah. by me, but... There's a very similar bar fight in Shindig at the uh, where um, he beats up some slavers, and it's a much better, much funnier, yep. better choreographed fight than this one. Um, I'm thinking we'll rise again. That's really the one um, of the last times he ever says anything like that. Um, I, again, it's kind of maybe a slightly different characterization than how we'll have the rest of the show. And again, it's hard not to watch this and think maybe that was something Fox told we didn't do is to make his character a little bit more defiant or, or whatever. Um, that's a mal moment to wave at them. Um, yeah, my, my guess is that uh, we didn't had the train job episode in mind, but hadn't thought of it as happening here in this particular place for this particular reason until Fox was like, we're not airing the pilot. So start looking at your other single episodes and figure out one that could serve as a pilot. And we was like, okay, there's not actually that much going on here. So we can shove in a ton of exposition, which is such a hard task, you know, to do. I mean, interestingly enough, you just in that scene had Kaylee popping out from beneath a console mm-hmm. Kaylee almost never does repair work anywhere outside the engine room and again it gets the point of cross she's an engineer point. but it it's a little out of place for her to be working on the bridge although she and wash do work together on the bridge when saffron fucks up the ship i think oh, josh had an idea when we i mean that's when we start getting into good oh. episodes god is she good sorry christina yeah. hendrix is so fucking I, good oh my god I know. I really think uh, Dream, I dream Devil Girl. Yeah, really. I uh, I said this at the beginning of uh, Serenity, the pilot. I think I'll probably say this at the beginning of every episode. Yep. This is my favorite theme song what in a TV like show. What do you like about ever. it? What do you love about it? Because I, I love it too, but I can't put as a musician. I still can't put my finger on it. I think it's one. I think it's a well-written song. I don't have a lot of formal training. I have none in music composition, but I think it's a well-composed song. I think the song takes in elements of both country and also Eastern music in a way that 
represents the fusion culture that that's at the heart of this show's mythology. You are not wrong, Mr. Ignorant of Musical Culture. You're completely <laughs> on point on that. Keep going. Well, the strings sound like they could be like a viol- a violin, but yep. they could also be like an erhu or some kind of a- Asian instrument. Okay, a- well, you know well. what you're talking about. Audience, don't listen to Matt saying I don't know anything about music. He just dropped erhu. He knows what he's talking about. It sounds you know like a Chinese instrument. Because I went to a moon <laughs> festival at Wesleyan one time at, at the <laughs> Nice. Chinese house or, or whichever house or I don't remember which house it was, uh, was and it, I asked Zonker what's Harris the thing? that instrument and they told me yeah. and Joss Whedon is a Wesleyan alum so that's why I brought that and up. he does use a lot of Chinese instrumentation right. so yes you know the song makes clear what the idea what Mal's thinking is I feel right like here. the guy who sings it um, yeah the guy who sings I feel like the, uh, the guy who sings it sounds like he could be Mal or Jane or Book or Joss and, yeah, or Joss. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a really well done, evocative theme song. Yeah, it sounds uh, like yeah, it sounds like Mal plus Joss plus Book. I think for me, right? Look at but this. Again, look at the shot. I mean, everything with these two is so cinematic. You know, I mean, you can it, see the movie right here. But again, unlike in the pilot, the this this is an almost identical scene in the pilot where the original one, the Serenity, where both times River says. Simon, you know, and that's her moment of clarity in this psychotic raving. Um, but that one's better in part because here they're, they're far apart from each other. There they're close to each other. They're touching each other and you can feel the sense of care and desperation and fear that they're both feeling in this situation here. They're both standing apart and the emotions don't come across through as strong Mm -hmm. in part because I think this episode this pilot is more action driven and the first one is more character driven. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) but this look here between the two of them, we see all the time, you know, Simon asking the direct questions, Mal avoiding everything. (laughs) Right. Gotcha. Um, thought you were here because you needed a medic again. This is exposition. This is how we got on the ship stuff. But again, it's just kind of said in passing instead of shown. And that telling instead of showing is worse storytelling. And to your point about whether mal means bad in Latin, that doesn't mean anything. I never loved that line. I didn't think it it said anything. No, I think Um, it was making fun of the – I think he came up with Mal and Malcolm before he made that (laughs) connection. But yeah. Yeah, that young man's very brave. I love that line from the preacher. That's the thing. He's my hero. Yeah. (laughs) That's a well-delivered line. That's a male yeah. line. He's such a he's you know, such a he's such a child at this point. He has no idea what's really going on. Right. You know, this episode, I, I am not crazy about it, but it does. It is a Firefly episode, and so yeah. it does certainly carry enough elements to feel like it does fit. It just doesn't quite fit perfectly and seamlessly with everything else. And you know, I think Joss Whedon had the idea to have the crew rob a train at some point because that's a completely you know believable plot for a show that's about that's a west you know takes most of its cues from westerns Mm -hmm. you know where train robbing happens like every all the time um it's just the train job the train robbery as a pilot was something that i think he had to adapt probably pretty quickly and i think it's reflected in the quality of the episode you know they're just they're talking to each other about their why they do what they do that's more more boring compared with some of the more <laughs> showy 
we don't have to subtle ways they talk about it later. I got heathens <laughs> aplenty right here, says Shepard. You know, he's totally, he's totally working them. But, you know, Ch- Shepard totally changes. Right. Okay, but and this the, is... The God... Yeah, sorry. I, I wanted to talk this about this. This is a great scene. Yeah, this is because a scene this is where we what see I was... the friendship in action well, in a way. Hold on, let me jump in real quick, man. Because this is in the when we did the sorry, pilot episode together. This this was what I was talking mm-hmm. about. Was that they don't have a lesbian relationships, but they are very physical with one another, and they're very intimate with one another on a number of levels. And I think Mal is jealous of that. You know, he wants to be closer to Inara. Right. And Kaylee's the one person on the crew sure. who Inara can completely trust and and you know be herself with. Um. But but I think you know. And I think it's interesting that she can. Sorry. I think it's interesting that she can come onto Anara's shuttle, basically, as far as I can tell, whenever she wants. She's the only one. And Mal She's the is only one that's referred. allowed to. He, right. He comes on a lot, but he's never invited. It's always, why are you invading my space? So even if they care about each other, uh, you know, she is welcome in, her co- in Anara's company, and Mal is always fighting, you know, griping exactly. Exact phrase I used was don't. Mm-hmm. I think that characterizes something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're holding my mechanic in thrall. You're right. There is some jealousy there of the intimacy that you have with each other that he isn't allowed to pursue or he can't pursue or both. Um, you know, but that's a good moment of showing, not telling, which is better storytelling. And anybody who writes or who teaches how to write will tell you that, that if you can use imagery to evoke something instead of just having two people say it at each other. The, the former is the more successful form of storytelling. Um, yeah, but you I know, mean, what do you want? We have a job. Yeah. Congratulations. It's terse. It's difficult. And that, but she and Kaylee can just kind of go, go off together and just have these longer, more interesting conversations. pretty cool space station we're looking at Very you know cool. takes a little bit of its cue maybe from d space nine although i like the uh, constantly or moving babylon parts 5. yeah a little babylon five for sure mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know <laughs> crow yeah <laughs> this, this a little is, bit uh got a bit of a drax the destroyer vibe maybe from uh, uh guardians interesting interesting yeah. w- way less lovable than drax but oh, no, by a pretty wide margin yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great villain you know he's like kind of german kind of russian kind of jewish it's like it's not really clear yeah to me he's russian i you think I, russian? jewish yeah. i don't buy at all maybe german but he yeah. i don't know the way German villains are, are portrayed, they're not quite so quick to anger, but I, I don't know. Um, the scene is, yeah, you know, it sets up the situation. Um, you know, it, it's... We didn't have, have Whedon has a nose for villains, man. You yeah, may, you may I mean, not always love them, but they're always memorable. I mean... Oh, yeah, and all the, the villains in, in this show are extremely memorable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little weird that his good guys die and his villains always survive, but, uh, you know, I, I certainly think this early on, he didn't want to kill Niska because, well, one, he probably knew he was going to bring him back later. Uh, so, again, obviously he had some idea that 
he was going to use the character Niska. So clearly he had some idea for what the train job was going to be originally. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he didn't think it would be the pilot, but clearly he was going to introduce Adeline Niska as a character at some point before war stories, Mm -hmm. which very much feels like an episode he did, you know, not certainly not one that Fox would have told him. By the way, Jane, no beard. You could tell it's out of order. Mm -hmm. Um, I never thought of that. Yeah. Even Mal looks different. His hair is slightly off. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. The whole show, the whole episode, it just it doesn't quite look right. No, nope. Um, nope. It's all yep. Yeah, it's all a little forced, and that's because they forced it on him. But yep. this guy's great. He he's an amazing torturer. You know, <laughs> and, and I, for me, my personal favorite episode is War Stories because I love that Wash is completely irrationally jealous of Mal mm-hmm. for reasons that are both understandable and ridiculous at the same time. Yep. And for them to admit so much to each other while getting tortured in a hilarious way, for me, yeah. is, is great television. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. Once in flight school, I was laconic. <laughs> I was laconic, yeah. Terse, terse, I could be terse. <laughs> I've been in a firefight before. Well, I've been in a fire. I'm really well, excited for Alan Tudyk to be a droid, man. A, a snappy droid. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. lie. It's kind of a I perfect think, uh, role for him. Sure. I, I think he'll be uh, very, very enjoyable. Okay. So yeah. here here comes the special effects. You right. know, they got the monorail thing going with the, but the Asian train, you know, Orient right. Express on the inside here. Mm-hmm. But again, this horrible plot point that they set up, uh, you know, about how they get away and then get caught. Uh, right. But, but, but the, the support actor who they get does such a good job. Um, in fact, I think he, in some ways, if you go chronologically in terms of how the episodes were supposed to air, mm-hmm. sets up the uh, sympathetic citizen, right, of the outer right, ring, basically. You're talking about the guy who plays the sheriff mm-hmm. or, or the, the lawman, whatever the hell he is. Yeah, who's overly um, suspicious of them but lets them off but then is there when they come back to return the goods and, right. and, and lets them go because they're being honorable. I mean, that really sums up the show, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that is the chance that Whedon gets to kind of get into the mythology, what this show is about, the idea that we talked about in – the pilot, the original pilot, the Serenity pilot, that this show is about the ways in which even an idyllic future where we're super technologically advanced like Star Trek, there would still be people suffering and there would always be stuff you couldn't completely account for and that would have to be dealt with. And so, you know, when he gets into this idea that every terraformed planet has its problem, ours is the PAX, this, you know, degenerative condition. Um, that everybody has. No, the PAX is that, the zombie virus, but I know what you mean. Uh, oh, you're right. What the hell is it called? It's um, Yeah, it's the something. Yeah, the the condition. Whatever it is. The the you know, it's I have something. I have an important question for you, man. Yes. As I cannot stop watching in our in our and book do talk together again. I was yeah. uh, no, they do talk a good amount actually. She's so unbelievable. Her charisma but what does it say that not only does Whedon pull off a character who's a super classy prostitute who's more civilized right. and smart than the rest of them, mm-hmm. but that he pulls it off? Do you know what I mean? But like, it's not that he pulls it off as a character, but you start being like, huh, 
That's an interesting role in society that I never considered before. I mean, she's a glorified prostitute, but she's the most cultured. She's the smartest. She's the right. most civilized. She's the most rational. She knows tactics. She knows how to fight. I mean, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it's really an interesting comment. Like, where did Whedon get the balls? Do you think just after all of his female characters with Buffy and, and the extended universe, he felt like he could get away with a character like that? I think that's a lot of it. I think Inara's character makes sense when you look at all the other characters Whedon has created over the years, all the other female characters he's created over the years. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, what we think of as a prostitute and what the life of a geisha is uh, are very different. And so he was really trying to incorporate both of those lifestyles where, you know, geishas, they would perform music for you know, the people they were serving and they would have to serve tea. And there was all of this ritual and formality and you can call it elegance if you want, but sort of, (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I love this. This, this sums up the show right here. mm -hmm. He says crime, crime. (laughs) All right. Am I wrong? What are we doing? Yeah. Crime, crime. Crime. All right, cool. Oh, that's adorable. Um, yeah, you're Joel Stay. It's adorable. It's crime. <laughs> yeah, crime. Yeah, the, the way she talks about it, the idea that she has just sort of normalized this life is fascinating. Um, and I think it's something yeah. Simon finds endearing about her, you know, oh, that yeah. she's not mean-spirited. She's not violent. This is just the life available to people <sighs> who grew up in her situation. And yeah. so – you know, that's what she has to do. So that's what she does is crime. And she has her role is to help them, you know, with the tech aspects of crime. And that's what she does. <laughs> you know. And Simon, yeah, but she likes that Simon dresses up all fancy and his hair and everything. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's adorable. It's a great, it's a great love story. That's the thing. I totally it's buy a it. One. It's the, you know, girl or guy from the wrong side of the tracks, the rich, whichever falling in love yeah, with the but throws one. it way on its head because usually it's the girl from the wrong side of the tracks goes on to the right side and meets a rich boy this is right. the exact opposite it's the rich boy going to the poor girl right exactly the point is it's a um it's a relation an archetypal relationship that's certainly played out in in other movies and tv shows and whatnot and it works you know they're a, playing with the betrayal already by the way right yeah Yep. And that's great. And that's one of the things I love about the movie was you had to have like a major Jane attempted betrayal that failed miserably and they nailed it. Look at the hat. <laughs> and then he gets the he gets the knitted hat from his ma. At, uh, uh, was that the message? Heroics. I love that line. Oh yeah. Um, say that again. When he gets his knitted hat from his ma down the road. Pretty funny, uh, I think. But again, that's a moment that humanizes Jane. Yeah. You know, that Jane is not a th- a hundred percent thug all the time. Let's he, be bad guys. <laughs> right. He is the closest to kind of a stock sci-fi character, but because Whedon doesn't like relying on stock types manages to put some depth into him as well. That I don't he, know who, who's like Jane in, in mainstream sci-fi of any media. I'm not sure I know that many. It's, it's more of a Western uh, motif, I think, than a sci-fi motif. Uh, maybe. I mean, I've said before that the sci-fi show uh, Dark Matter is heavily 
reliant on character types from Firefly, and there is a thuggish guy. It's so it's not good because I can tolerate B to B minus TV, <laughs> and you can't. And that's not saying one of us is better than the nope. other. That's nope. just a statement nope. of what I think yeah. is a fact. Okay, here we um, go. Here we go. Old school. Old school. Uh, two thousand two. TV, sci-fi special effects. It looks pretty good to me, you know? I mean, it's obviously fake, but it looks good. And I love the classic shot of Jane above the train. This would all work fine. It really looks good for what it is. Again, I really think we didn't envision doing a train robbery episode at some point. It's just the way it doesn't quite sync up with the introductory content. The pilot, the stuff that makes it a pilot that yeah. hurts this episode's overall quality, that makes it just one of the weaker it's entries. So minor, though. I mean, how many TV shows that you do watch and have mixed feelings about, you'd rather take this episode of than any episode of that oh, fill in the blank television show? I would watch 15 episodes of this yeah. rather than watch a season of Dark Matter or <laughs> The Expanse or 12 Monkeys. What about Gotham? Um, I hear you're changing your tune on Gotham. <laughs> I, when have I ever changed my tune I'm about just Gotham? Kidding. I'm just totally fucking with you. <laughs> to quote Bob Shipman, that show is like somebody gave a bunch of bad uh, Batman stories to Dick Wolf and then a donkey kicked him in the back of the head. Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means, but that's <laughs> Sounds a great, great analogy. It's a dick wolf and kick in the back of the head. Here, right, here's Wash the joystick for nothing, which does take skill. Right. It's really yeah. hard to do that. I mean, if you think about it, other than Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon, sci-fi pilots aren't usually asked to do that. Sure. Um, You're right. James probably be a good more place of a Western to... archetype than a sci-fi yeah. archetype. So, Although, yeah. I will say... Joss Whedon wrote the movie America, uh, Alien, uh, the fourth one, Amer- Re- Alien Resurrection, whatever. Whedon wrote Resurrection? Yeah, the fourth oh, one, wow. not after Alien 3. And yeah, there is a yeah. character who, played by Ron terrible. Perlman, I think, yes. who is literally Jane. Uh, not literally, but he is almost identical to Jane. I, I thought I that mean. movie was underrated. It was way better than Prometheus, in my, my opinion. Probably, and it might even have been better than three. Yes, I think so. And that one and two are that. amazing, and everything else in that franchise one is, is amazing. Yeah, two is pretty good sci-fi. Sci-fi. Two is really fun. Two is yeah. really really two, fun. Two is really fun, but one's the brilliant movie. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean cause one because it's a horror movie, not a sci-fi movie. It's but, a horror movie set yeah. on a spaceship. So you're but, Ridley Scott, and you say Alien One, Blade Runner One, Gladiator. The Martian, right? Like a thousand. I mean, is he not the most underrated director ever? I mean, he's never won an Academy Award. He's never. I would argue of all of those movies, Blade Runner was maybe the only one that ever was was I would consider Oscar material. I mean, sci-fi wasn't taken seriously until maybe about five years ago by the Oscars. It just, it just wasn't. This is the giant uh, apartment building in the sky with the doormen with the doormen hats, which is really funny. Right. Um, That's why I was calling it PAX because I knew there was something related uh, to P. I think it's called something like McGregor's syndrome or something like that. Or, or, mcgregor's disease i i don't know what it's called but anyway and, and joss uh, whedon does what jj does so well too which is 
you have people of color and the bad guys, but the people in charge for the bad guys are always big white douchebags. <laughs> yeah. And he's actually kind of overweight, which is interesting. Um, yeah, they, they, they portray the alliance as not as as yeah, physically intimidating as in the movie or even the later episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Look at the way he's shooting this. He's shooting right. right in on Jane's face. I mean, it's like a horror movie just shooting on Adam Baldwin. It's so scary. Right. You know, you can just, you feel like there's an alien about to pop out any, any moment now. And that's why I do like Bushwhacks, Act, which we'll get to because if we get to it, it's the next episode after this is yeah, Bushwhack. Really. <laughs> and I love that episode. Uh, but. Oh, yeah, here's Wash. That's the thing about Wash is, like, if you just see the movie, you're like, okay, funny, ha-ha-ha guy. But, like, he does have depth in the series. But, like... Sure, they all do. There's no simple characters in this. Not even the bizarre, some of the bad guys. You know, Saffron, or or whatever her name actually is, when we get to her, has a lot of depth. Uh, Not so much in our Mrs. Reynolds. You mean Yosaf Bridge? Yeah, that's what most people call him. Call her rather, uh, but yeah, her. I knew her. Had- I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you. Christina Hendricks is mm-hmm. so stunning. I I, oh I I knew her years before she was on Mad Men because of the show. Yep. I mean, she, they, have they have her in rags. They have her in rags. I'm sorry. Drive. They have her in rags, covered in mud and dirt for that entire right. episode. In the entire episode, you're right with Mal going, oh my god, I'm being seduced and I need to stop. I need to stop. This is not good. <laughs> She's seducing me. You know what I mean? And then she just gives him the biblical speech and that's the end of it. Oh, man. Right. How did Joss Whedon discover Christina Hendricks? I mean, come on. I don't know. You <laughs> Interesting story. When we get to uh, um, which episode is it? Safe. You want to know what what actor that's his first role ever zach efron what zach efron is young simon in safe that's i am zach not efron that is zach fucking efron and whatever oh, you might god. think of him i don't think anything of him i think we a god <laughs> and efron's really funny i can't believe we did that that's amazing yep I, I think Efron's Zach, funny. Zach Efron's ever done. Oh, I would love that. to talk this commentary with you, which is I think Zach Efron is actually really funny. His biggest problem is he's too handsome. Yeah, he's got that Disney star. No look one to him. that good looking is funny, especially men. It's like almost impossible. Chris, uh, Chris Pine. Very good looking. Very yeah, funny. but there's something kind of beat up about Chris Pine's face. You know, Zach Efron is so pretty. You know, I mean, when when Pine gets in a fight as Kirk in the Star Wars movies, you feel like he's been there before. You know, I don't really buy that. Odin's malady, that's what the condition is called. Sorry, keep going. Well, yeah, but but I mean, Han Solo felt the same way. I mean, Harrison Ford was, you know, a, a movie star out of a jar that he hadn't even been established before, but everyone knew it. But like, he still <laughs> had that look of having been in fights. Zac Efron's just a little too tight, a little too good looking. But yep. I, I, I did not know that was him. So this is yep. like... What, 13, 14 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he was a little kid. I mean, he looks like he was probably about 12 or 13, maybe 15 mm-hmm. if, and playing younger, um, but he looks real young. So, um, in, yeah, in the, ever. in the movie, um, they have a young girl play River at school, but they have mm-hmm. Summer Cloud do the voice. And I heard that they didn't tell the little girl that that was going to happen, that she was a little disappointed. Huh. 
Now, I believe Young River in the TV show with, I guess, Zac Efron is her actual voice, and it's not Summer Glau. That's the thing with Summer Glau. She is she talks like an 11-year-old in terms of I'm the, the pitch of her voice. I'm pretty confident the actress playing Young River is also speaking those lines. Speaking those I, lines, I'm, yeah. So, uh, and if you're wondering why we're not talking about Train Job very much, listeners, it's because there's not a whole lot to say about this. It's yeah. it's okay. It's a really good episode of television, and this character yeah. actor is doing everything possible to save this thing. It's just not a very good episode of Firefly, and no. so if we're going to evaluate this within the context of the show itself, it's yeah. just, it's okay. So we're going to set you up, because I mean. the next three episodes is um, Safe, which you love, which I'm not a huge fan of. It's Bushwhacked, which I'm a big fan of, which you're not a huge fan of. So let's make a deal, yep. and I'll be open-minded, Pops and you be open-minded. Next Bushwhacked, and then it's uh, safe. Right, Bushwhacked, I, safe. I'm open-minded. Uh, yeah, so we'll be open-minded, and then Shindig in the middle, which we both love. I, that's really the moment where I think yeah. the show really takes off, because the next string of episodes are, it's like Shindig, Armis' Reynolds, Ariel... Uh, well, no, our, no, no, even better. Shindig, safe, our Mrs. Reynolds, Janestown, out of gas, oh, yeah. aerial war stories. That that six or seven episode arc is spectacular. Yeah. And if you own the DVDs, it's basically discs two and three. Discs yeah. two and three have the best episodes on the show. Yeah. And you can debate which ones you think are the best whatever those as a group are the best are the strongest the show is is right there that middle set of five or six uh, yeah. or seven episodes and um it's true that the final three or four are the weakest but i'm a big fan of objects in space actually and for me if you're looking for <laughs> what would a good this is funny and this is a good oh, moment yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. adam baldwin is when he switches from angry to drugged and his eyes change oh, and kind right, of the way I he's switching his head <laughs> They shine. I, I totally like, forgot about he's, this. He's grabbing at the <laughs> little angel. And then great uh, reaction from Alan Tudyk. <laughs> you just go crazy. Dude, you asleep. should really watch Con Man if you could find a way to not pay for it. Well, I got a month before all the good the shows I like come back on the air, so I need yeah. some stuff to watch besides... Yeah. Hayao Miyazaki movies, so maybe. So um, wait a couple weeks and then sign up for a free month of Con Man, of uh, Comic Con, whatever, and then watch both Con Man seasons and then cancel. That would be my advice, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's quite clever and it's all about this show. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the the fame of this show is only outshone by the fame of the fallout from the show, uh, right? right? I mean, the level of fandom. Oh, this is great! I love this. And Nara is loving every single second of this yep. that she gets to slap him as part of their little ruse, and he buys it. And this right. sells the 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 um, you know, this sells the prostitution. I mean, this sells right. the companion thing. Right. And I, I'm not trying to use prostitution to be demeaning, but it, let's we got to be honest about the situation here. What's going on? Great. Right. I mean, also great moment from Zoe where she's yeah. pretending to be meek. I, I mean, the way she shifts, right. it's, Zoe, really, it's really funny. She's I, a I horrible actress as being an actress. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Zoe doesn't As know how to do it. Gina Torres is a great actress. No, but, amazing. Uh, but she's being great at being a terrible actress. It's, it's exactly. Great. Yeah. Um, 
Look at her. She's no. just shining. The thing is, Morena Baccarin, as awesome as she is in Homeland and, and Deadpool, she looks completely different in every role she's in. I mean, she doesn't look radiant. She, I mean, I think that's done intentionally with this show. Is she, she radiates you can see the lighting right here. Yeah. yeah she glows. I mean, yeah. it's a very effective way to, to light her character yeah. in a way that in that scene, in that shot just now, Mal is in darkness. Yep. You know, he is in front of the light, whereas she has the light shining on her. And that's a very interesting visual contrast. But she actually uh, comes off looking short in this show, which she's yes. actually not in real life. So it's actually just an effect of having a lot of tall uh, castmates, and yeah. but also her being very full-bodied and kind of young. I mean, she's got like the Princess Leia thing from Empire Strikes Back, you know, like right. she's very, very young. And now she's like kind of tall and thin and, you know, immature looking and she's beautiful. But But this is a really distinct look. Um, that the, the confident, <laughs> she hit me. <laughs> He's just one, heavy. One of my favorite Inara moments is in our Mrs. Reynolds when she gets poisoned by kissing Mal who's been poisoned right. and she's pretending like she fell. You know? Yeah. And then late, late in the episode, Mal seems to be calling her on it is is completely ignorant. Yeah. That's a great moment of kind of obliviousness um, on his part. Anyway, uh, I have never been nuts about the idea of companions. I think Marina Baccarin's performance is beyond reproach. You know, this idea of, okay, they seek out the ones they're with, which is something that Anara's character says over and over. You could do a supercut of her just saying a companion chooses her, the people she's with. Um, but ultimately, she is selling her body for money and having sex for a living. It does seem like this is a job she sought out and wasn't like pressured into becoming, which is what I think the case is for real-life sex workers. I'm, I go back and forth on whether or not I think the companion as a concept is an empowered role or not. Uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, I love watching her in a background. I for just sure. know that people from both gen- from all genders, some people like to have sex, and sure, I know women I mean, that are like this, and I know men that are like this, and I know other folks that are like this, and and that's all fine. I, I it's all fine. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, that's a little horror shot there. That's the that's thing. He could pull the rough. Buffy. He could pull the Buffy stuff out when he needed to, which was a nice little tool. Uh, right. for Whedon from a graphic standpoint. The point being, I fell in love with Inara, but it wasn't because she was a prostitute. It was because right, exactly. Marina Beckerin's charisma just overwhelmed me. Radiates to, light. Yeah. I mean, she, radiates she just, love and light. It, but, but also her weaker points where she does erupt on Mal irrationally, right? Yeah, there are times because when she feels Mal, like yeah. a full person. You know, she yeah. is not a stock character. Nope. She is not one-dimensional. She's great. She's not the Tilda Swinton of Geisha this. No. You know, it's just a question of, okay, what Geishas do on a, on a, is different than what prostitutes in the U.S. do, but is it any better that that's how, what their life is like? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a not necessarily answerable question. Um, <laughs> I was aiming for his head. I, his oh, drug voice is so funny. I know we haven't hung out a lot in real life. I would love to be watching these with you side by side. <laughs> this would be great. <laughs> we might have to save a few for when, your trip to Philly whenever that happens. So that might be forever from now. 
maybe. So this is it. This is this is the mission statement of uh, of Whedon. You know, be as bad as you want. When you realize and you're fucking someone else over, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's like Will Wheaton's "Don't be a dick" rule. You know, I mean, right? Exactly. Like, just don't be a dick. I think our point in civilization, as simplistic as that might seem, I think that's not a bad way to live. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think in, in general, not being an asshole to the people around you is probably a decent, at least starting point for an identity. And he it's doesn't interesting even that, make them, I'm sorry, he doesn't even make them feel bad about it. No. He says you did the right thing. A man can get a yeah. job, might not look too close at what the job is. Yep. This writing is just, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You, you and read it's interesting every script. It's guest oh actor delivering it. You know, yeah. it's not... It's Mal confirming he agrees with everything this guy says. Yeah. You know, he says, I don't think you do have a choice. But it's still, it's this guy making the speech. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, as we wrap up on this episode, I want to ask you about the language, which we haven't really talked about that closely yet, which is, how did Whedon get his main characters and his supports talking this mix of hokey Western and Chinese language right from the get-go and make it sound completely consistent throughout the whole series. Here we go. <laughs> I have no idea. I think that- this is so good. I'm sorry. This is so good. You know exactly what's going to happen here. We're not thieves, but we are thieves. Point is. <laughs> I what says. Again, this scene is good. It's funny, you know, and That's that so saves funny. it. But this is a little bit more of a brutal moment it's from really him brutal. than anything else in the show. And it feels... To me, out of place. Interesting. You know, it, I guess it just depends on whether you think he's killing people or not when he shoots them. That's it's like with Arrow, you know. Like, I think he doesn't shoot that yeah. many people outside a heart of gold. Like I don't I really like that Arrow is shooting tranquilizer darts all the time. I wish right. he was. I, I'm not saying killing but everyone. To kick a guy through an engine—that's pretty brutal. Actually, I mean, that's a pretty I, easy way to I go. It. I'm good. Best thing for everyone. It's really funny. I, it probably is. It's still. It, I don't know, you know, when he, and out of gas, when they shoot him in the gut and try to steal his ship, he doesn't shoot any of them. He could have killed them and taken their ship, but he doesn't. He lets them all just leave with the part. You know, in other moments in this show, when he had the opportunity to kill, except maybe in Heart of Gold, he doesn't. And in that one, he does. And why he does doesn't feel quite justified. Again, good, great episode of TV but just not a great Firefly episode because Firefly was so much beyond almost any other product of these genres of this sci-fi. And this is ultimately sci-fi. It just has a lot of Western cues. Um, I think this is my, I think this is my least favorite uh, episode of Firefly. Um, It might even, even although, but these beats are great. Hands of blue. Yeah. Yeah. In part because, this just feels like a pilot and we've already watched a pilot. You know, if this was just a train robbery episode, I think it would have worked better. You could have even kept, (sighs) meanwhile, this episode and these guys prove how much you can do with just good eye makeup. These two have really good, whatever this eye makeup is on them. It accentuates. That's what I'm saying. Eye makeup in blue gloves doesn't make up for Chiwetel Ejiofor. I mean, it's no. not nearly as frightening. I said I, this last time. The fear they induce you feel in your bones. The the fear uh, which uh, Ejiofor induces you feel it in your brain, you know, yeah. or your soul. 
you know it's yeah. a body terror versus kind of this i don't know creeping yeah. sense of horror at you know what kind of world would produce a man oh. this psychotic well maybe you know, you know maybe that defines our our break or bridge between movies and television i don't know you know i mean they, i don't know yeah i don't know that i like the hands of blue guys more than the operative i probably no. like the operative more i just think how i experience the, <laughs> the hands of the blue guys is different uh-huh. um well we will definitely have time for that i may end up just doing bushwhacked myself because you so yeah, seem to back. dislike the episode and so i actually really like it to convince me to like it that that should be a, a okay. challenge that you all seek right, out well, maybe I'll, I'll do a dry run or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, but just to um, uh, just, just just to wrap this up, I mean, it, it's really interesting to watch the pilot and the fake pilot train job back to back because mm-hmm. you know train job is a brilliant work of minimalism, but it has very little substance compared to the you know original pilot or whatever. Exactly. Um, it just it yeah. And so even you know, though you even though you love safe and I don't like safe and even though I love Bushwhack and you love Bushwhacked and Shindig those three episodes are huge world building episodes. I mean, oh yeah. W- whether you love the writing or performances or not in those three and we'll have different levels, those three really build it up so that by the time our missiles our Mrs. Reynolds happens in mm-hmm. episode 6 with um fuck <laughs> I'm sorry. See, I, I would argue that Bushwhack... Hendrix, you just completely buy the universe at this point. Totally. You just buy it. I, I think Bushwhacked is mostly about building the world. I think Shin... I, I'm sorry. I think uh, Safe is about building the characters, or at least one core character narrative. And then Shindig is when, one, we, we really start to see Kaylee's character fleshed out, and just the execution of the show takes it to another level. I think... Uh, safe is a, a better executed episode than Bushwhacked is, but I find it interesting that Bushwhacked is really the last time we hear from the Alliance and the Reavers, and it's almost like Whedon knew right. that was not the but, most interesting thing in Firefly. But, and starting with Safe, we get yeah. the character stuff that really drove the show. But you can't blame a fellow like myself who came to Serenity first for liking Bushwhacked and Objects in Space because those are the two most important River episodes in terms of the movie. So, as a movie guy sure. who came to the movie first, but I just I do love how Bushwhacked is is structured and I would love because you have way more experience with these sorts of genres. I can't wait to hear, you know, why you don't like it. It won't offend me whatsoever. I you know, the, the, they're being interviewed by the crew and you know, I know at the end when Mal's like kind of leading them back around the ship and he's going to kill the zombie and whatever blah 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 blah. blah. Um, it's not normally the kind of TV episode I would like, but <clears throat> it's creepy well, enough. I love the joke with Simon about making him put his spacesuit on and all being irrelevant. And sure, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't want to pre-spoil too much of a commentary that I'm pretty confident at this point we're going to do pretty soon. Uh, but maybe I'll watch the episode be- once beforehand just to see if I feel differently about it than I did the last time I watched it, which would have been probably four years ago, five years ago. So you know. 
I've seen a lot more sci-fi content. Maybe I'll like it more. Absolutely. Uh, well, we still got tons of great episodes coming up. Hopefully fewer mechanical problems on the audio engineering <laughs> side. I do appreciate this. And uh, yeah, we'll probably, we should probably do like two at a stretch. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we'll figure so. out what to do. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, I might go back and rewatch. I've seen them so many times. I know them pretty well. Um, yep. th- th- there's no, there's really no episode that I have trouble watching. The mm-hmm. message is sometimes a little too sappy for me, but I get yeah. the the circumstances behind it. But other than the message, everything else I'm pretty good with. Um, yeah, and like I, I said, I, uh, even though I don't love safe, I watch it for the river, uh, dance, uh, sequence just yeah, oh by itself, God. how happy she is. And she's such a great dancer in real life. And that's why she was chosen for the role among other reasons. So awesome, buddy. Well, thanks for being on with me and I will uh, see you on Bushwhacked. Heck yeah. Until right. then. Thanks. Bizzlecast listeners. Peace out. <laughs>